Welcome to episode 116 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for watching and listening to us as well. No matter where you are consuming our content, we love and appreciate you, everyone from GFP Nation. All right. NHL training camps have officially opened. We are inching closer to the start of the regular season. Let's go. Leafs training camp. There's a couple juicy storylines going on right now, so we are obviously going to address Leafs camp. Um, We're going to talk about Mike Babcock resigning as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The guy didn't even make it to camp, which I called Mm -hmm. last week's podcast so shout out to me for calling that and then we are also going to discuss steven stamkos he is disappointed with the lack of extension talks with the tampa bay lightning they have not talked about re-signing their captain future hall of famer it's pretty crazy so we are going to get into all of that give you our thoughts and opinions on everything happening around the nhl but before we do it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime mr michael lapore how you doing today, man? Anthony Bruno, as usual, doing well. Happy to be recording a pod. It's a beautiful day in your nation's capital. Today is the last day of summer. Am I getting that right? So, you know, I took full advantage. I took a nap, went for a little walk, you know, stuff that highly energetic people do. But thought I would save my energy for the podcast. So let's get at it, man. Like you said, there's some good stuff to talk about. And uh, let's start it off with our favorite head coach. Mike. Babcock. Let's get right into it. So shout out to me once again on the last episode. I said I had a very weird feeling that Mike Babcock was not going to coach a single game for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And after the NHLPA's investigation, uh, Mike Babcock resigned as head coach. Resigned Lapore as head coach. So this was clearly the Blue Jackets had no choice but to fire this guy after the investigation. And I guess they did this in a way that wouldn't completely sewer the guy. So they let him resign, whether it was that or a mutual parting of ways, however you want to slice it. He was essentially fired. So pathetic. Didn't even make it to training camp. When news came out that the younger players were uncomfortable with the whole photo sharing scandal, that's what did it for Babcock. And now it looks like he's probably never going to coach in the NHL again. So what are your thoughts on this whole situation? Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, Bruno resigned. I think that was a formal way of saying you're fired and we're not going to pay you. But it's a disaster. What what I did appreciate about the whole thing is when Davidson and the, uh, the Jackets brass stood up there, they fully took the blame. They said we were wrong. We hired the wrong person. It was a I think even directly said this was a mistake. I made a mistake. So it's good to see that. Added to the chapter, man, of Mike Babcock. We said last week we couldn't believe this guy was given another opportunity based on his track record and the stories of um, instances that happened with other players. So it is what it is now. He's gone. I mean, the only thing really to talk about with Babs at this point is ever this guy is this guy ever going to get a coaching job ever again? And I mean, there was what would you have said like when when things were said and done with the Leafs. Did you think he was done or like, nah, at some point someone will give him an opportunity? 
No, I thought 100% he was going to get another opportunity to coach in the league. And it took four years for him to get that. But he essentially waited for every check to cash from the Leafs, Mm. that $50 million contract before getting back into coaching. So I I knew that it was inevitable that he was going to be back in the league. I had no idea what team was going to pull the trigger and hire him and ended up being Columbus. But at this point, I don't think there's a chance in hell he's ever coaching in this league again. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know if I can think of a bigger PR nightmare than your general manager or president getting on the mic and saying, we've hired Mike Babcock to be our head coach. And think of it, man, even these kids coming in, these young teams, they all talk, man. Guys have reputations. It's going to be even worse than it was before. When I say that, I mean like a coach coming in, like like Sutter in Calgary a few years ago. I'm sure there were some eye rolls in the Calgary Flames lineup, guys saying, oh my God, I can't believe we hired this guy. This is going to be like, no, you're going to have players. You're going to have players step up and say, no, this, this isn't happening. And to that point, there's the whole issue with the PA. Maybe the PA wouldn't allow it. I mean, I have no idea how the dynamics of a hiring goes as far as a coach goes. But if the PA is involved in some sort of capacity, I wouldn't be shocked at all because it totally makes sense. These are people looking over um, their union members. So I think from the side of the union, it's not going to happen again. And as for Babs ever coaching again, I mean, it's not going to be in the NHL. I mean, maybe we hear he's in Europe somewhere or I don't know, like, would you... (laughs) Would you even take him if you were like a college team or something? Like, I honestly, I wouldn't now. I mean, it's like we said last week, it's a fall from grace and it'd be too much of a PR risk and a risk to your team and its success. And I think too, and I don't know if they were feeling this in Columbus, it would start negative right off the bat, right off the bat. Like I made the point about Sutter getting hired and we've talked about these dinosaur coaches before. It always starts out and it takes some time for people to hate the coach, or at least that's what the body language says. Where at this point, you fucking hate the guy before the first puck is dropped. So it's over. Your season's over. He's done, man. I mentioned uh, last week, it's gonna be very interesting if somebody writes a book about the media, uh, meteoric rise of uh, Mike Babcock and how it all came plummeting down. It's done. The last chapter, whoever wants to write that book and write it now, because I think most people would guess that the story's done. This is one of the most shocking falls from grace in NHL history. Like he went from being widely considered the best coach in the NHL when he was hired to coach the Leafs. And even before he was hired to coach the Leafs, when he was still in Detroit, after he won two gold medals with Canada This guy was widely considered the best coach in the NHL, gets the richest contract that a coach has ever received in the history of the game. And to this day, it is still the richest contract a coach has ever received in hockey history to now essentially being out of the league. It's just, it's crazy to me. And the saddest part is that he did not learn his lesson. You would think after he got fired in Toronto, all the shit that came out, all the guys that spoke out about the bullshit that he had, you know, that he was behind over the years in Detroit, in Toronto, the stuff you heard from Mike Commodore and Chris Chelios and, you know, the Mike Medano stuff and go down the list. You would think 
that he would reflect on that stuff and change when he got his next opportunity. But he just decided, no, I'm the same old Mike Babcock. I've won gold medals. I'm a Stanley Cup champion. I'm one of the greatest coaches ever. I don't give a shit. I'm going to continue being Mike Babcock because that's how I became so successful in this sport. And it's just not going to fly anymore. And now this younger generation, you know, guys that were barely teenagers when he was winning those gold medals with Team Canada or when he won a Stanley Cup in Detroit, they all know him now as like predator Mike Babcock. They don't remember him as like this great coach Mike Babcock. So I don't think he gets an opportunity anywhere anytime soon. Like if I had to bet on it, I don't think he ever coaches again in the NHL. Maybe he gets a shot in Europe. As you mentioned, I could see that potentially happening. I don't even think he's going to get another chance to coach like university or college hockey. So I think Mm. maybe his only opportunity is Europe at this point. Yeah. It's uh, you made the right point saying how these kids see it. I mean, they don't even know Mike Babcock, Stanley Cup champion, gold medal coach, right? Like 2014 was nine years ago. So even veteran players now were teenagers. And those runs with Detroit were before that. No, all, all, all the credibility is gone. Completely and utterly gone. Which one was it? Leafs docuseries, like a, one of those reality ones that had Babs. Was that an HBO one? We're going back now. I don't really I can't remember. Even remember. Well, th- there was one where the there was a lot of focus on Babs, and I just remember they showed him. They showed the guy getting up at whatever time he gets up. It's dark out. Gets in his truck, drives to the rink. He'd go for a run around the uh, the practice facility before everyone got there. Just putting in his hours. And I gotta say, as a Leafs fan, it was amazing. We have the best coach in the world. Look at this guy. Look how committed he is. Can't believe it, man. It's a weird thing, man, because he had two faces. Let's go. Let's let's call it two faces. He had that demeanor. He had, he always said the right thing. He nobody. I always thought about Babs, and maybe it kind of messes with your brain a little bit and why people thought he was such an amazing coach. It's almost as if Mike Babcock's look, his voice, and sort of his demeanor. It's like he could play a hockey coach in a movie. It's like there's a prototypical hockey coach. hundred percent. Just that stereotypical hockey coach. And I think maybe that's what drew people in at least a little bit. I mean, the winning is the winning, but interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting to talk about forever. Um, but yeah, so like there was that and then complete asshole Mike Babcock doing things that don't even make sense legitimately i mean we should make like a power rankings of these things the thing with marner the stories about uh friends and the mike medano thing letting him rot at 1499 games like why why would you do that what is the benefit here other than just to flex and but babs now he hates you and then guys on the team are going to be upset about that i think that actually was the story i remember hearing somewhere that lidstrom was not happy about that and he shouldn't be but weird, weird dude, weird, weird dude. This is a fun one, and I'll tune in. I'll tune into this. Do you think he does an interview at some point? I don't think it'll happen in the near future, but I think there's a possibility that months from now, or maybe next offseason, he has an interview to talk about what happened in Columbus. I'm sure he's going to reach out to one of his reporter friends in the media and maybe try to get his story out there. 
And I don't know how much he can do to mend fences with people in the league and the people that he's heard over the years. But I, I think at some point, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, but I would imagine he's going to reach out to somebody in the media to tell his side of the story. And uh, I don't really think anyone's going to put up with it. I think people will watch and tune in to see what he says, but it's I don't think right. anyone's going to forgive him and invite him back into the NHL without, I don't know, like something drastic needs to happen for this guy to get another chance to coach in the league. Mm -hmm. Can't wait. I hope it happens. All right. Well, that closes the chapter on Babs. Slam shot. It's time for a quick break because today we're here with a sponsor for your bouncing bundle of joy. No, we're not talking about a baby. We're talking about your baby makers. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. But just like babies, your delicate little guys have sensitive skin and deserve products that are not only skin safe, but made with safe ingredients. That's where Manscaped's platinum package comes in. From razors to shower care, this package goes above the gold standard for your body hair. So treat your beautiful boys to the world's finest toys at manscaped.com using our exclusive code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Laporte Manscaped just doesn't miss. They do not miss Anthony Bruno. And let's face it, when you're taking care of your baby makers, you want to use quality products. Take some time, look at the Manscaped labels, and you will see it's all A-plus ingredients. Some of these other companies, it's an absolute fucking encyclopedia of shit that's put in there. You do not want to put that on your boys. You want to make sure your boys can swim. So go ahead, manscaped.com. Use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. If you're not treating yourself to some Manscaped products, I don't know what the hell you're doing because you're going to look good, you're going to feel good, and you're going to play good by going to manscaped.com and using our code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Go to manscaped.com, use code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. You will not be disappointed. Let's move on now to yeah. Leafs training camp. Yes. What an exciting time, Laporte. Training camp is officially opened in Toronto, across the NHL. We are inching closer to the start of the regular season. Let's talk about some of the big things that have happened in camp so far. I would like to start with William Nylander. So obviously he still needs a contract extension. He's on the final year of his deal, making under $7 million a year. Him and the Leafs are still pretty far apart it seems i think nylander wants like 10 plus million the leafs probably only want to give the guy like eight to nine million but what's interesting is that he is open camp playing center yes which he was drafted as a centerman i've always thought that nylander has like the complete skill set to play center like i don't think he gets enough credit for being so strong and particularly just strong on the puck down low. He's a great skater. He's a great shooter. He can pass like William Nylander is amazing. And Sheldon Keefe even had a quote where he said like, William can just do it all. Like he mm. has full confidence in, in Willie to pretty much do anything on the ice. So your thoughts on, on Nylander starting at center. And it seems at this point, they are still rolling with Tavares at center as well. So they got Matthews, Tavares and Nylander down the middle and David Camp as 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 the 4C. So your thoughts on on what's happening 
down the middle of the ice at Leafs camp. Yeah, people watching can already see me shaking my head. Uh, very confusing, um, especially that, as you mentioned, Tavares stuck to center. Because where my brain immediately went when I heard this news was, are they thinking maybe the second line is going to go Nylander at center and they're going to move Tavares to the wing? Because we all know that Tavares has lots of, lost uh, some foot speed and his five-on-five play is not what it used to be. So that could be something. But it's not going to be, you're not going to have William Nylander on the third line. That's what, that's what doesn't make sense to me. So it's kind of confusing. I've heard the take of, you know, if they're going to do it, they might as well do it now because we've heard this story before testing Nylander at center. And then it was the, um, it was against Columbus, right? Game five, they put him at center and everyone was totally flabbergasted by that. And it made absolutely no sense to do it at that point. So I get the take of like, yeah, roll the dice now. Let's see how it goes. But at the same time, why do it if it's a virtual impossibility? Really? I mean, maybe it's just to prep it and try it. And the whole thing with uh, uh, Tavares will occur eventually. But I don't know. Like, I agree with you, Bruno. Willie's got a lot of tools. And I mean, he's a skilled guy. He's a talented guy. He can play center in the National Hockey League. I'm sure he can. And I say all the time about hockey where we, we have these unconscious biases based on how players look and their names and the equipment they wear. I just don't see Nylander as a center. So maybe it's those biases creeping in telling me that, that like, no, he's a silky smooth Swede with long hair. Who's got a wrist shot. He doesn't bang and crash down low. He's not a center, but maybe he is. And that's up to hockey people to decide, not Michael Lepore, but it's confusing and I get it, but at the same time, I don't see an end to this with William Nylander being a center for the Toronto Maple. He's not going to play on the third line. That's what it comes down to. You're not going to have a guy like that playing on the third line. So I'm intrigued to see how this is going to uh, end up, but I only see one result at the end of the day. Here's what I think is going on. So I, Okay. I feel a little bit differently about this. So I think Tavares is starting at center because they're just kind of appeasing John Tavares at this point. Like he's the captain of the team. He's one of the most well-respected guys, not only in the organization, but in the league in general. Mm -hmm. So they're starting him out at center at camp. I do agree with you. There's no chance in hell in a contract season. William Nylander is going to accept being the third line center. And you know what? If you think about it, come playoff time, it does kind of make a lot of sense to have yeah. those three guys down the middle because that's that's a strength that not many teams around the league have. But here's what I think is going to happen because, Lepore, I disagree with you. And I, I think William Nylander is built to be a centerman. Okay. Like, I think he can do it, and I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to get to a point, and I you kind of alluded to this. Like I think Nylander is going to be the second-line center at some point, and Tavares is going to move to the wing on his line. Like that's what I think is going to happen. Like (laughs) I can't, I don't know, man. I can't imagine. And maybe I'm not giving Tavares enough credit. I can't imagine he's going to be playing center like game 82 or game one of the playoffs. Like I just don't think, and again, he's still a good player, but I, I just don't think he has it anymore. Like you mentioned his, his lack of, his lack of production at five on five, the lack of foot speed. Like this guy's not, He's not, I mean, he's not a centerman anymore. Like, sure, on maybe on a shittier team, he could he could still Bruno. be a centerman. 
But I don't think it's like Steven Stamkos, right? It's like Stamkos is still a really good player, really productive player, but he's not really a great centerman anymore. They're the same age, Stamkos and Tavares. And I would argue that Stamkos is a better skater than Tavares. I mean, he's always been a better skater than Tavares. So I I don't think by game 82, Tavares is going to be playing center. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think, I think Nylander's the ideal second line center. And maybe I'm, it sounds like I'm going insane here, but I think that's how it's going to play out. Yeah, funny. Of course, our minds are going to go this way. Let's say it plays out that way, and uh, Willie's at center, say midway point of the season. He's at center, Tavares is at wing. And let's say Willie hasn't signed yet. That fucks us. That fucks us. Because now he's like, well, I play center. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what's so tough here because if imagine he plays center and has like a career year again. He has like 90 points. Oh, like he over. just looks incredible down the middle. The Leafs, I don't know what they do in the playoffs. They make like a deep run. Like, can you imagine how much money this guy's going to be asking for? Oh, if now he's a free William Nylander UFA number one center. Oh my God, he's gone. And someone's going to throw the bank at him. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting situation. I, I just don't think that the way we've seen the lines shape out right now, I just don't see that happening. And I, I don't know how long it's going to take, whether it's 20 games in, 40 games in. There's just no way that those three guys are going to be... And again, like it, it's it's a pretty... You, would, you could argue it's a pretty ideal setup come playoff time to have those three guys down the middle. I just don't think it's going to end up like that. Yeah, you need, I don't know who would play with Willie. Need t- Willie needs talent, though. Come on. Yeah, because like right now they have Nylander on the third line. And again, this is like the start of training camp. Nylander, Nick Robertson, and Max Domi. No one said a word about Nick Robertson, eh? I know. I mean, it's Weird. a big year for this kid because That's, he can't yeah. stay healthy. He's been, you know, he showed flashes of like really strong play last year. Like he scored those two goals against Dallas, the OT mm. winner. And then ever since then, it's just been like, Injury straight downhill. Yeah. So I I don't know what's going to happen with that kid. But yeah, like, can you really see Nylander playing on the third line with Nick Robertson and Max Domi for an extended period of time? Yeah, that that's a weird line. That's a weird line. Even the second line, Laporte, Tavares, Nyes, and Sam Lafferty. Like, really? That's Lafferty's Lafferty's not going to be in the top six. Let's get serious. That's outrageous. So, again, these are just like training camp lines, like first couple days at camp. I don't want to get, you know, too far ahead of myself here, like trying to, you know, pinpoint. Oh, my God. Like, these are going to be like the lines for the, you know, the rest of the season. Like, I I don't want to jump the gun here, but I, I just can't see some of these lines, you know, actually being together let's you know 20 30 games into the season the only line i do see being together for an extended period of time is this first line of matthews marner and tyler bertuzzi not bad yeah maybe could it be bruno that we're not giving players enough credit we're not giving coaches enough credit because they say all the time now i mean yeah they're center left wing right wing that stuff's all garbage now because the p1 p2 responsibilities so could it be a weird thing where okay nylander center Tavares is on his wing, but as far as the responsibilities go, some of the center responsibilities are on Nylander, some are on Tavares and vice versa with the wing. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm not, you know, I don't know as much as Sheldon Keefe and I'm not, I can't coach in the NHL. So they would know a lot more about like the X's and O's than I do. But that's, that's where the game has shifted at this point. Like 
at the end of the day, it's not just the centerman who has to be responsible for all 200 feet. Like literally everyone on your line has to be responsible defensively for you to succeed and to make a deep playoff run. It's not like it's just the centerman and the two wingers are just coasting all game. Like, have you watched the recent Stanley cup champions? Like they're all back checking. They're all playing hard defensively. It's not just the centermen who are doing all the work. Yeah. It's funny. Like you mentioned the way it used to be. And even he, at the time it was, he was a hilarious exception. I went to a game and it was when Burray played for Florida. And I specifically remember it's because you're looking for Burray, right? You're, wow, Pavel Burray, let's see what he can do. And he lit it up that year. And you're watching and he would literally just stay with the high defenseman. And every time there was any type of puck battle, he would take off thinking if if a Florida player gets it, he's going to get a breakaway pass. But literally on a scale of one of one to 100 on his defensive responsibilities, he was a one. He, you were five on four in the in the uh, defensive zone if Bray's on the ice. But your benefit is you have the fastest player in the world streaking for a breakaway pass if you can get possession. Oh, man, he used to blow the zone all the time. But I love oh, Pavel Bray so much. Everyone. Like, he is one of my favorite players ever. Like, I everyone think, did Bray. he, like, does he, like, lead NHL history in breakaways? Like, it's I see, it seems like every highlight you see of that guy, he's on a breakaway just blowing by everyone. Yeah. I mean, just so fucking talented man i love it, that guy it's funny because everyone talks about the new nhl and how skilled it is and how you know oh these guys from before they wouldn't keep up in today's nhl because of their skill set and funny as we were talking about Tavares, and we talked about headman a bit before the show started so headman went one or sorry Tavares went one headman went two in that draft John Tavares, I mean, if he was if he's lighting up junior, he's lighting up junior. But would that body type and type of player be as sought after today? I don't know. I'm I don't, not quite sure. And just yeah, because of his lack of would. foot speed. But yeah, he, I, I was gonna say he's been a rare exception where he has had a very productive career. Like, even like think about like Joe Thornton, for example. Like, he's also not yeah. a great skater, but they were so productive. But yeah, time. nowadays it's like you need you if you're picking in the top three, like he this player needs to be absolutely dynamic and be able to like take over games in multiple ways. And yeah, I I don't think uh a guy like Tavares maybe goes. I mean, I don't know, this sounds insane, but like that that prototype of player who lacks like explosiveness, I'm not sure they would go number one. Yeah, it's hilarious, too. You you look at old drafts and you see guys win the first round like Chad Kilger and Joffrey Lupul. It was like big power forwards. But what I was getting to was Beret's always the guy I thought. And actually, there's there's two of them. And ironic that they're both Russians or maybe not ironic. It was just a style of play. Beret and Fedorov. I mean, they were superstar players, all time players. I almost think they would have been better today. Oh, 100%. Remove, Remove the clutching and grabbing. Remove the red line. Would have been awesome. Speaking of, insane. speaking of, do you hear what Cros- my boy Sidney Crosby said? Yeah, how he wants to bring the red line back. Sidney Crosby just wants like tic tac toe passing throughout the neutral zone. That interesting, what? very interesting from Sid. Yeah, that I mean, let's slow the game down. I mean, it's not going to happen, but I almost can't picture hockey today with a red line, even playing. Like to have to think that I can't pass it across the blue line and the red line myself. 
or yeah, that that rule is so far gone. And just to make it clear, like Sidney Crosby did not say, I want the red line brought back in. He was asked if he had yeah. to make a rule change, what would he do? And he said that he wants the red line brought back in because he just thinks it might actually be more exciting because there's so much more skill in the game now that you'd have to be more creative and, and there'd have to be more completed passes. And, and it's an interesting take from Sid, but yeah, I can't imagine that ever coming back. Maybe he, uh, maybe he knows he's Sidney Crosby and he's got some authority and he's like, fuck it. I'm getting older. Yeah. Let's see if, let's see if I can influence this thing. Why not? Sid still has it, man. Like he carries that weight. Like I, in my opinion, I think he's still, I mean, maybe you could say McDavid's the face of the league, but I think Sid's Crosby like until he retires is like, if he's not the face, he's like the one B to Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, I'd ask you this, Bruno. If there was an Olympics this year, Crosby's still the captain. I don't care if McDavid oh, puts up 200 points. 100% still the captain. he's still the captain of Team Canada. Yeah. So that, that answers the question. Fuck, I love Sid. Oh, Sid's the best. The best. All right. Well, moving on now and still sticking to Leafs training camp, but I, there's a couple other things I wanted to bring up. First of all, Brad Living was asked whether the Leafs decor as currently constructed was good enough to win a Stanley Cup. Not good that you're laughing while you're <laughs> while he, you're saying that. His answer to this question was not super confident by any means. He just said, you know what? I like our D. And he said, there's always room for improvement on the roster. Oh, fuck, Brad. And he's like, there could always be internal improvement. You know, you don't always have to bring in new players. And if, I think deep down he knows that this decor is currently constructed, probably isn't a Stanley Cup decor. And that is maybe like the one thing you could sort of poke a hole in when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs, because like up front, they seem really fucking good. Um, but yeah, this decor is currently constructed, Lapore. Like, what are your thoughts? Riley, Brody, McCabe, Klingberg, Giordano, Jesus, and Lilligren. My God, is that is that a Stanley Cup caliber decor? Well, did you only say five? No, no, I said I said six. Riley said Brody, six? McCabe yes. Klingberg, Giordano yes. Lilligren. Giordano Lilligren. Okay. Uh the answer is no. That is not a Stanley Cup uh core of D. I think it's okay. I think it's one of those cases, and people do this. They'll look at the Leafs D, and even when the Leafs D was embarrassing, I'll say it was bad, bad during the Bob's years. People say, oh, you look at it. I mean, everyone's like average. It's like, well, that's not good. <laughs> and you, you look at these guys and, okay, obviously Morgan Riley is Morgan Riley. Brody, we know what you're getting from Brody. He's got one year left on his deal. I'm already I'm already uh, excited about that Brody extension a la cheap once he's done Toronto Boy to be maybe in the 5-6, replace Giordano. Because I assume this is Giordano's last year. Yeah, Giordano, like, can we just say it? He's washed. Like you think he's that bad? Washed. You think he's done, done? Based on what we saw in the playoffs last year, like everyone was ripping on Hall, and we talked about this extensively on the podcast. Like he mm. was so bad in the playoffs. Like he just looked horrible. The numbers back it up as well. I can't imagine this guy. I mean, good God, when the playoffs come around, if he's if he's in on this six man unit, and I guess like you kind of have no choice because he doesn't make anything. He's he's on the third pair but I don't want this guy playing in the playoffs. Like it, it's as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, seventh defenseman. Um, but here's a, here's a question. I, I think you did say the name. You said Justin Hall. When was the last time we developed a defenseman? 
I mean, Hall, Dermot, like just Morgan Riley. Yeah, like like the only guy. (laughs) Yeah, because we had Hall and Dermot, but whatever. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, listen, there are a couple D men like in the system. Like I think of uh, Topi Niemela. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's there's a couple guys. He's the first guy that comes to mind. So maybe one of those guys, um, you know, take a step forward. Like obviously Lilligren, we've developed like Sandine, the least traded last year. So. Yeah, it's pretty, it's honestly kind of sad. Like outside of Riley and now Lilligren, who, you know, depending on who you talk to, hasn't really lived up to expectations. Like he's had flashes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's pretty sad, the state of affairs in terms of developing a defenseman on this team. Yeah, I think my take on it is similar to last year's though. I'm not worried about it because um, I know this team's strong defensively as a whole. And all this stuff, man, it's funny. All this stuff we talk about, I mean, everyone knows this, but you training camp and okay, like Nylander at center. It's all just noise now. What what matters is what's the lineup game one of the playoffs? Oh, is the D soft? It doesn't matter. What's it going to look like day one of the playoffs? And what I'm saying with that is the trade deadline. I expect the Leafs to do pull the same type of shit they pulled last year, bringing in Shen and McCabe and solidifying it, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe making a trade at some point. So, like I said, it's all no, it's all noise. Like, let's look at the Leafs. And I'm going on a tangent. Look at the season last year. Okay, started like shit. Started like shit. Keeps getting fired. All this stuff. Okay, then they turned it around. So then, at that point, did anybody care that they started like shit? No, nobody. No, no cared. one cared at all. Then remember how we were losing to all the bad teams? Like we had the worst record in the oh, league against the losing five to Florida, teams. losing to Montreal, losing yeah. to Chicago, Arizona, like going Arizona. Down the list. Arizona beat us twice, I think. Yeah. So oh, that was of concern. Okay, well then when we stacked up at the deadline and then beat Tampa, did anybody care that we lost two games to Arizona? N- no, nobody cared. And then when we lost to Florida, nobody cared that we really beat Tampa. So from now until the result of the season, it's all noise. It's all noise. So as far as the D goes, I'm waiting to see what Brad can do. Because he's yeah. got to make it better. Full stop. He's got to make it better. Yeah. Based on what I heard Living say in his opening press conference to start training camp, like there's just no way in hell this is going to be the six-man unit come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Like there's just no way. I, again, the forward core as it stands, like it's it's pretty darn good. Like there's still an upgrade to be made. I would, I would imagine, you know, like you said, Lepore, when the trade deadline rolls around, there's probably a move out there to bolster the forward group, but this defense core, like there's just no way. And and listen, as currently constructed, the Leafs are still probably like a 110 point team, even with this D core, but they're not winning a cup with this six man unit. So I, I think Brad will, will make an upgrade. And before we move on to our next, topic the last thing i want to bring up is this new identity do you buy into this new identity of the leafs like ryan reeves had that comment a few days ago about remember radko gudis in the playoffs last year yeah when the panthers eliminated the leafs and he's just roaring in joseph wall's face and so ryan reeves was asked about that and he said i hope he tries that it would be interesting wouldn't it that'd be fun I doubt there's going to be any of that here. So they bring in Ryan Reeves, who's like considered the toughest guy in the league. Tyler Bertuzzi, another 
hard-nosed sandpaper guy who obviously brings skill. Max Domi cut from the same cloth. Do you buy into this like changing identity of the Leafs just based on these three guys that they brought in? Um, it shifts it. I mean, I'm not going to say full blown. I expect the 1975 Philadelphia Flyers, but I mean, they added those guys and those guys have those personalities. So I'm expecting to see a different type of team and I expect them to show it off. And by that, by that, I mean the players, right? I want to see Bertuzzi be a rat. I want to see Reeves kick the shit out of someone. And regarding the Goudis thing, like I- I've heard different takes on what he did. I think that was that was a shit move. People like, oh, I love that. I love that guy. No, it's over now. It was the winning goal. It's over now. You got to scream in the kid's face. Like, what was the point of that? And then on the flip side of that, okay, in that case, if someone mauls Goudis, okay, what are you going to say? Oh, it was over. He didn't deserve it. No, that that's that's a stick across the head. I'm not, and especially in that moment of emotion where your team got eliminated, you just screamed in our goalie's face. So I appreciate guys who muck it up. I appreciate guys who know what they're doing and know how to draw penalties. I'll even appreciate a dive, a sell job, do what it takes to win. But that shit, yelling in a goalie's face after it's over. Nah, I didn't appreciate that. I'm not gonna lie. I am slowly buying into like this whole Ryan Reeves is like the the, the low-key, like heartbeat of the team and like setting the tone and like he's the guy that you know invites everyone out for dinner, makes sure like the team chemistry is good. I know that it's still like it's Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's team and Morgan Riley and John Tavares. Like I totally get that, but I am slowly starting to buy into the effect that that Ryan Reeves is going to have on this hockey team. Maybe I'm crazy. Cause he's only going to play like what? Six or seven minutes a night, but there is going to be a point this year. <laughs> yeah. Maybe six or seven games. Good God. But there's going to be a point this year where he beats the shit out of someone or he lays, he lays a massive hit as we've seen multiple times in the past. And there's going to be games where like Bertuzzi's being an asshole. And the same with Domi. Like I am starting to buy into this a little bit, but like I said, it's still the core four, right? Or the core five, if you want to add in Riley. Like, it's they're still the identity of this team. And unless they change, I'm just not quite sure how much the culture of this team can change bringing in these three guys and specifically a dude who's going to play seven minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, that that's a thing of actual game impact. But, I mean, it's a culture change. And it's three guys. Three guys. To me, that that's significant. And people made the comparisons to Simmons when we made that move. And with Simmons, he was like one guy. And it felt awkward because it was just him. And he didn't know how to play hockey. So so really, yeah. like what, what good did it serve? It's going to be what, what I really don't want, what I don't want. And Leafs fans will remember this one. Remember the summer we signed Mike Komisarek. Brian Burke did us a huge favor. And signed Mike Commissarek. Was it five years at five million? Yeah, it was an egregious contract. Okay. And I remember watching the first game, and it may have even been against Montreal, his former team. And here came the reputation of Commissarek was like, here's this like ratty guy, defenseman, gets in guys' faces, stir shit. And he but and he brought it, but he was trying too hard. He was trying to lay huge hits and get into scraps and get in the corners and do yeah, dirty the stuff. Same thing with David Clarkson. Same yeah. shit. But it, it was clumsy. I remember he was taking a lot of penalties. 
because it was too obvious. So I want these guys to have an impact, but keep the heart rate in check, right? And don't feel like you need to do something extra. Just be yourself, as corny as that sounds, right? Someone does something, you want to punch them, punch them. Show your personality, but don't take that extra step to try to prove a point to the Leafs media and the Leafs fans that you have arrived. Cause that's, I really thought Commissarek did and it just kicked off what was a bad time with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. The only guy who I think might be susceptible to this is Max Domi, just because mm-hmm. like he's carrying the weight of like his father being a fan favorite here. Like Ty Domi was, you know, like the most, one of the most beloved guys, not only of that era, but in Leafs history. So maybe he feels a little bit of pressure. Like I got to come in here and I got to be a little bit like my father. Obviously he doesn't play the same style as his father, but I could see potentially like a David Clarkson situation where he just does something stupid because his emotions get the best of him. I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I am starting to buy into like this changing identity, changing culture, but we'll see. I'll save it for the start of the regular season to see if anything's changed. Yeah. We need to talk about the Steven Stamco situation in Tampa. We do. This is actually kind of fucked up. He is a future Hall of Famer. He's their captain. He's led them to multiple Stanley Cup finals. He's still very productive. He still had over 30 goals and 80 points last year. Year before that, he was a 100-point player. And he arrived to Lightning training camp pissed off. He was very disappointed that the Lightning haven't even approached him about a contract extension. He is currently on the final year of an eight-year deal paying him $8.5 million. And everyone else on this team is locked up long-term. Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Anthony Sorelli, Brandon Hagel, Mikhail Sergachev, Eric Chernak, Andre Vasilevsky, Nick Paul. The entire core is locked up long-term, except Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman. And Julian Brisois, Lightning GM, had some very interesting comments about Stamkos being disappointed. He said, it's not just about Steven playing on his career in Tampa. It's about Steven playing, staying in Tampa and the Lightning remaining a legitimate Stanley Cup contender year in and year out for the remainder of his tenure as a player on the club. Steven and I share the common goal of bringing the cup back to Tampa. That's our objective. In order for us to do that in future years, we're going to need to spend our cap dollars as wisely as possible. And Lapore, this screams to me that the Lightning want him back, but they sure as hell don't want to pay him what Steven Stamkos wants to be paid. And I think they probably want to allocate those dollars to Victor Hedman. Now, keep in mind, they're both the same age. But it seems like Hedman is aging a little bit better than Steven Stamkos. He, both are still like very productive, but I don't think they want to lock this guy up to a long-term deal. At his, you know, he, they're both entering their age thirty-three season, Stamkos and Hedman, and I don't think the Lightning want to lock this guy up long-term at like nine plus million. That just doesn't make any sense for them. Do you are you reading into this? Because if we look at the exact words Stamkos said, because you just said okay, they clearly don't, they clearly don't want to sign him long-term. But he said that they're not even talking. So why would there be the assumption that he wants a long-term deal and he wouldn't be willing to sign a shorter deal? That's that's what's so confusing to me. I think, I mean, this is loaded. This is really and truly loaded. And I'm a Leafs fan. 
So the first thing I thought of, Just Bruno's saying. already smiling, was imagine the opening day of training camp next year. John Tavares said that. Oh, okay. My I didn't think that's God. where you were going. I thought you were going to say, can you imagine Steven Stamkos signs for like a million dollars to play in Toronto? That's oh, that's hap- that's you. happening in a year. We'll get to that. We'll get to that, Bruno. But had John, if John Tavares said that a year from now, it would be like, look at this disrespect for the captain. Shanahan's not running a right uh, a right ship here. This is going to affect the locker room, and this is going to go into the season. Stamkos says it, and it's a story, and no one really cares because it's Tampa. From Stamkos' perspective, okay, Stamkos has had injuries in his career, but if you break it down, if you look at his numbers, he's an all-time great. And he doesn't get put in that stratosphere, I think because of his injuries, but if you look at his total body of work and the games played, I saw one stat, I think through seven seasons in the NHL in the cap era, the only two players to have a higher goals per game were Ovechkin and Matthews. Like this guy has done everything, everything. So I'm going to say the word it's disrespectful, disrespectful. And we talk about it all the time, but like dynamics between players and coaches and coaches and GMs and GMs and players, how can you not have that type of relationship with your captain? And you know what? Let's go even further. It's on a hot take to say that Stamkos is the best player in the history of the organization. I Made mean, debate all day long, St. Louis, Le Cavalier, whatever, but it's, Vas- I think it's Stamkos. Vasilevsky, say whatever you want, but I'm saying uh, that's not a hot take. So I really and truly don't get it. You don't have that kind of relationship with your captain to make the phone call early, early and be like, you know, what are you looking for? Are we on the same page? Let's work this out. Or this is where we're we're at and what we're willing to do. So I don't know really what to say other than I think it's a big slap in the face to Steven Stamkos and it's just pushing him out the door to sign for one year, one million with the Toronto Maple Leafs next year. It's definitely a slap in the in the face, but it's just business. The way that I yeah. look at it is that they are not. This is not going to be like the Chicago Blackhawks situation where they give like these lifetime achievement contracts to Patrick <laughs> Kane and Jonathan Taves when they clearly knew that those were going to age incredibly poorly. And Kane, towards the end of his deal, actually, you know, he still had some left in the tank and he was still like a 90 to a hundred point player, like laid into his contract. Mm. But like the, the Taves contract was an abomination at the end of it. Like the dude was making over 10 million providing like, you know, third line center numbers, third line center production. So I don't think the lightning are in, are in business to hand Steven Stamkos a lifetime achievement contract. This organization is too smart, too well run. I think I know where this is headed. Like I, I honestly, I don't think he's going to be back in, in Tampa next year hmm. based on how this is going so far, unless he agrees to sign like some just incredible discount. And they, I don't know, they convince him to sign like, I don't know, for like four or 5 million. I think he's going to be like, screw you guys. I'm, I'm getting out of here. And I don't know if he's going to go chase the money somewhere. I mean, I I just honestly, at this point, I don't think he's going to be back in Tampa as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. You make the point saying, okay, it's business and they're going forward with business and that's the right thing to do. 
Okay. You have to be cutthroat. You have to be objective, but it's also proper business ethics to have a conversation with the guy. A hundred percent. You're right. And, and if we're going to read into this exactly how Stamkos delivered it, there's no discussion. And then what are you doing? How are you not having a discussion? And again, confusing. I use that word often on this show. If he is willing, maybe he's willing to sign a certain deal that you'd love. And maybe he would bring it up. I mean, we can bounce around stuff all day long, but who's to say he wouldn't sign like a three-year, $10 million deal with Tampa? So Tampa, you wouldn't be interested in that? Like that that's what I don't get. And that that's why to me it's just so insulting. And we don't we don't know Stammer personally, but he seems like a good guy, seems like an honest guy. Teammates love him. It's very, very weird, man. I find it very strange how this is playing out. I think Tampa knows that they could still be a really good team without him. Like we saw them essentially win a Stanley Cup without him. We did. That first Stanley Cup that they won where Stamkos came back for game one of the cup final against Dallas. He scored. It was an amazing story, but they went through that entire playoff run without him and essentially won that cup without him. And I think if they had to pick one of Stamkos or Hedman to bring back at, let's say like a juicy number that was maybe a little bit uncomfortable given how old they are, I think that they would pick Victor Hedman over Steven Stamkos. Yeah, I don't think that's a debate. That's not a debate. But to the point, too, about if they're sitting there, oh, we won the Stanley Cup without Stammer. Yeah, you were $17 million over the cap. That's how you did it. Yeah, exactly. So it's not really saying we did it without him. Well, you filled you filled up the lineup just fine. You know, I don't know. It could be one of those things where he signs an extension tomorrow and we're laughing at ourselves for talking about this and it's going to feel weird uh, a while from now when we're saying, remember with that? press conference where stammer said that they weren't having negotiations so we'll see how it plays out but my wheels returning man like like i joke about toronto obviously because i'm gonna do that but right away i'm like man like where could stammer go where could he sign to like try to put a team over the edge colorado potentially yeah yeah like i think about colorado and again like a lot of these teams are already like right up against the cap but mm-hmm. any of the contending teams, I could see him being like, fuck this. I'm going to go there and be like the last piece of this puzzle and help them win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. They're not good enough. They're not good enough yet. And who knows if they will be good enough. Um, but I thought like Detroit would be cool. Okay. Yeah. Go play Reuniting for Iserman. with Steve Iserman. Exactly. Go play for Iserman. Iserman was 19, 91, whatever that whole story. And they have the cap space. Exactly. So I thought, you know what? Maybe if they can add some pieces, have a good year. I mean, the, the guys won his cups. Like it's not that story of the star player who's going somewhere to specifically to win cups because he has to. And I mean, I'm sure he wants to win more, but he has his in his pocket. But Things will change and more teams will open up, more teams will bounce into our heads as we as this plays out. But I don't know, man. I like I pretty well would have bet my life that Stammer was gonna be a lifetime Tampa Bay Lightning player. And deep down, deep down, because I love Stammer, I'm hoping that's how it works out. Yeah. We don't get that, we don't get that much anymore. Like I mentioned Eiserman before, like Eiserman played for the like Eiserman, Red Wings, Joe Sackick, Colorado Avalanche. To me, Stamkos is just like Tampa Bay Lightning, right? So I, I hope yeah. it finishes that way. No, I, I hope so too. I, 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 it would be awesome if he finishes his whole career in Tampa. 
just like Crosby. It's like, I don't think anyone wants to see Crosby play for any other team, but Pittsburgh. That'd be weird. It'd be so, it'd be so fucking weird. So yeah, I mean, I hope it works out too. I just, to see how angry Steven Stamkos was like for him to air that out. Blunt. Like so bluntly in front of the media for everyone to see and hear. And then for Julian Brisebois to like, you know, sort of try and mend the situation, even though, you know, reading between the lines, it seems like they just don't want to jump the gun and, and sign him before seeing how this season plays out. I have a weird feeling again, just almost like the Babcock thing where this guy is not going to be back in Tampa. I just don't think it's going to end well. I, again, I don't know where he's going to land. I really like your Detroit take, but I think, uh, I don't think this is going to end maybe as everyone thinks it's going to end with Stamkos coming back to play for the light next season. But Lepore, before we wrap up this podcast, is there anything else you want to get off your chest? So are we just agreeing? You know, we should have like a rule. Or can we do this? I was going to say we never mention the name Mike Babcock on the podcast ever again. Or do we just have to keep it in our pocket to tell a joke occasionally? We can keep it in our pocket to tell the yeah. joke. You know what? He's... He has made enough people suffer in this league <laughs> that we can keep it in our back pocket to use him as a joke. You know like, what, I think, Bruno? I think it's gotten to that point. You know what? You mentioned or we discussed an interview happening at some point. I don't know. Maybe these major networks aren't going to be interested. Maybe we bring Babs on the GFP podcast. Oh, can you imagine? Too. Come on, Before, Babs. How many views would that episode get? If let's say like two months from now, we get Babcock on the podcast. Yeah. Make the call. What's going to happen? He's got nothing else to do. Come on. I don't know. I wouldn't even know who to call. Does he still have an agent? His agent probably dropped him. Who knows? But yeah, let's do it. Let's get Babs on. Talk about his tenure with the Leafs and what happened in Columbus. I love that. Let's get on that, Lepore. Let's <laughs> let's do it. Fuck. Let's, let's yeah, be the, the guys. Bring on Babs. Get 100K views on that episode. Yeah. Our first interview, we're going right for the stars, like Babcock. It's like, let's get Gretzky while we're at it. You know what I mean? If you've been following this podcast, you know that me and Lapore Lepo- just fly the two of us. Like, we don't ever interview anyone on this show. And maybe we should, because I think, you know, I think that would go pretty well. Me and yeah. you, like, interview a player or someone in the game. But man, can you imagine we open up our first interview ever on this podcast with mike babcock good lord any players out there if you're listening fire us a dm you want to get on the show we'll make it happen i love it man yeah all right that is gonna do it for episode 116 of the gluttons for punishment podcast or gfp a toronto maple leafs and nhl podcast hosted by michael lapore and anthony bruno if you are a longtime listener or you're listening for the first time and you really enjoy this episode It would be a big-time help if you give us a five-star rating on either Apple or Spotify. And I've seen the new new ratings have come in. I have seen the people who have given us those five stars. So it is a big-time help, and it's the same thing on YouTube. I hate to be the person that always says this, like the YouTuber who's like, smash the like button. But no, you actually have to smash the like (laughs) button because that's how you help us out. And that's how we get more of a reach and how we're able to continue making this content and reaching more people and... Please smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below and ring the notification bell while you're at it. So you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So we will be here um, as training camp chugs along and we get closer to the regular season until then. um, 
enjoy some of the juicy storylines going on around the NHL and just know that me and Lapore will be here to break it all down. So until the next one, have a good one, and we will talk to you very, very soon. Thanks, everyone. Oh.